0: Chapter One of The Boy Chums in the Florida Jungle by Wilmer m Eli. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perrard. Chapter One: The Boy Chums. Golly, I'm getting powerful tired of dis. Fish what just clusters round your bait and won't bite it hit no ways is just triflin and no account. I reckon it's too ornery and too finicky anyway to be fit to eat. Well, here goes again, though hit ain't no use. I's done spit on my bait fifty time and rubbed it twice with my rabbit's foot, but hit don't do a bit of good. They just look at it and grin like white folks at a nigger's wedding the little ebony negro who had spoken let drop his daintily bainted hook into the water again with a gesture of disgust let me have a look at them chris said another voice and a white face joined the black as the two peered over the edge of the bridge down into the crystal-clear depths of the water below the white boy straightened up after a brief glance into the azure waters he was tall and sturdily built with lines of self-reliance and determination upon his youthful face his mouth widened into a grin of amusement as he watched the little negro peering anxiously down at the circle of black circle-eyed fish that crowded eagerly but warily around the baited hook you're fooling away your time chris said the white lad look here he chopped up a few pieces of bait and flung them over beside the other's line as they slowly sank there was turmoil and confusion amongst the finny observers below. With swirl and splash they darted up and seized upon the tiny fragments. Chris wound up his line with a snort of disgust. "Dey are conjured, clean conjured,' he declared, gone clean out of their way to get bait, when dar was plenty right afore. Them show some fool fishes, massa Charles.' "'You're wrong,' said the other boy lightly. They are mangrove snappers, the foxiest fish that swims. Some of them got hurt on a hook sometime, and his misfortune has become history among the tribe. I guess that's what makes the black circles around their eyes. They just keep worrying so about getting hold of another tempting morsel with a hook attached that they don't eat half enough and are fast worrying themselves into nervous prostration the little negro snorted and continued to wind up his line while his white companion paused to gaze with appreciation at the beautiful scene spread out to his view at the shore end of the high railroad bridge upon which they stood was jupiter a tiny nest of white houses almost lost among the glossy green palms and vivid blazing tropical flowers below them flowed the blue waters of the laxahachu river to the west the river broke into a dozen parts each flowing swiftly between as many shoals and islands and finally losing itself in the distance to the east it joined the sea scarce a mile distant the breakers meeting the river's waters in a tumbling mass of foam a little below the bridge on the opposite side of the river from jupiter three government buildings rose up from a high bluff a wireless station a weather bureau office and a towering lighthouse, built long, long before the Civil War. Beyond these, down close to the inlet, the lad's eyes focused upon a long point jutting out into the river, upon which stood two small tents. From the inlet, a rowboat, with two occupants, was approaching the point with the long, easy stroke's characteristic of experienced boatmen. The lad turned to his black companion. Come on! Let's go back to the camp, Chris, he said. The captain and Walter are nearly there now. Better look to yo line. De slack's runnin' out like mad, massa Charles, chided the little darky. Golly, I don't know what you white chillins would do without dis nigger. Peas like you white chillins can't even fish without Chris. I long to tell y'alls when you got a bite. But Charlie had already sprung for the coiled-up line, which was whizzing out at a rapid rate taking a turn around a post he endeavored to stop the hook's victim in its mad career but as the long heavy line totted like a bar of iron he realized that he stood a chance of losing both line and fish and he paid out the balance of the line very slowly it was not until the very end of the line was reached that the fish suddenly changed its tactics and turning short rushed for the bridge Charlie yanked in the slack line, swiftly, and called to Chris to come to his assistance. Near the bridge, the fish turned again and sped for the far-off inlet, both boys clinging to the line in a vain attempt to check the outward rush. "'Golly,' panted Chris, as the line dragged slowly and burningly through his grip. "'It's lucky we ain't got this line tied to no post. Dat fish would sure pull the whole bridge over.' Frats laughed Charlie as he grabbed out his pocket handkerchief and hastily wrapped it around one hand to protect it from the burning line. Isn't the bridge bearing the whole strain as long as we're standing on it? Course it ain't, maintained the little negro pantingly. Ain't my back begin to ache, oh, and my arms get lame, and my hands burn like fire. Golly, you white chillin' show don't use no logical reason maybe you ain't holding back hard enough to feel hit but i shall getting gettin strain not dis pesky old bridge well you will not have to bear it much longer charlie grinned don't you notice that the strain is getting weaker all the time he's a monster but he's evidently swallowed the hook clean down and that's why he is given up so fast we'll have the best of him in a few minutes the lad's prophecy proved true for long before the end of the line was reached the fish began circling in ever narrowing circles until at last the two boys were able to tow it up slowly to the shore golly exclaimed chris as the fish's huge bulk came into view dat's de biggest an ugliest fish i ever catch what is it anyway Charlie glanced down at the short thick black body and the huge gasping red mouth It's a jewfish," he announced. I guess it weighs about 800 pounds, but that's not so very much when you consider that they sometimes grow to weigh over 1,800. Unlike most big fish, however, they are very good eating. Wind up the fish line and then cut out some good big steaks. They will make dandy fish balls and chowder. While you're doing that, I'll run up to the village and tell everyone to come down and help themselves. Then I'll bring the launch around from the dock and pick you up. Soon after his departure, the villagers began to arrive in twos and threes, but not before Chris had cut out several fine stakes from the huge fish. By the time he wound up his line, washed the stakes carefully and strung them upon a piece of coconut fiber, Charlie hove in sight in a little motorboat. He ran up as close as he dared to the shore and stopped his engine. Hurry up and climb aboard! he called. We want to get back to camp before dark. Chris waded out, treading gingerly with bare feet over the oyster shells that strewed the bottom. Hurry up, laughed Charlie. Your feet are too tough to be hurt by oyster shells. The little darky grinned as he clambered aboard. "Dat ain't the point, he protested. I was reckoning that some of them oysters might be alive, and I sure would have hated to crush the life out of them. Charlie threw over the wheel and started up the motor, and the little boat, whirling around, darted away for the distant point with its two snow-white tents. A few minutes' run brought them close to it, and Charlie steered round into a cove to avoid the tide wash and ran the boat up on the shore. The anchor was taken out and embedded in the sand. The motor was covered, and everything made snug for the night. Then the two boys strolled forward with their burdens for the tents. Although it was not yet dark, a big fire of fragrant spicy mangrove wood blazed before the tent. A little ways from it on blocks of driftwood sat a boy of about Charlie's own age, while close beside him sat an elderly man with a heavy beard. The boy was opening oysters, while the man was carefully breaking turtle eggs into a big pan beside him taking care to let only the yolks fall into the pan and throwing away the uncookable whites. Hello, greeted Charlie cheerfully. What luck! Way too good, said the boy on the block listlessly. Every turtle in the Atlantic must have tried to lay on the beach along here, didn't even have the fun of looking for a nest. They were scattered around everywhere. And you, Captain? asked Charlie, with a grin at his chums' reply. Ran the skiff right up on a bed of oysters, the old sailor said, briefly. All I had to do was lean over the side and pick em up with my hand. Big, nice, fat oysters, too. Charlie took a seat on a piece of driftwood, and silence fell upon the three. Only Chris, with the high spirits of his race, stamped down the fire into a bed of glowing coals and prepared to make an omelet of the turtle eggs, a stew from the oysters, and a big pot of coffee singing as he worked. Hammeat hit am good to eat. Bacon's very fine. But give, oh, give me what I long for, Dat watermelon's a smilin' on the vine. Charlie broke the long silence that had fallen on the three. We are getting to be three old grouches, he said calmly. We have got the best of health. We have $5,000 cash in the bank. We have been truckers, wreckers, pearl hunters, plume hunters, spongers, and lastly net fishermen, and have gone through all kinds of hardships and perils, and yet, after we agreed to take a long vacation trip and rest up, here, after only two weeks of it, we are getting restless and dissatisfied, am I right? You are, declared Walter Hazard heartily. I admit it, I'm sick of loafing. I want to get back to real work again. It's all right for a while, this lounging about from place to place, but I reckon I've about got my fill of it. Captain Westfield admitted. I had a heap rather be working at something. I feel the same way, Charlie agreed, and I believe I've found the very thing for us. But it's big, the biggest thing the boy chums ever tackled. Come on, Chris has got supper ready. We will talk it over while we eat. End of chapter one